Welcome to the Audacity Church Podcast. We pray that you are blessed by what you hear today. We love to hear stories of what God is doing in people's lives. Take some time to share your story of how God is working in your life and email us at amen at loveservego.com. Now prepare your heart to hear from God today. Um, I am honored to um, be here today to um, bring this part of the story to you. Um, I love the story of Mary. And I hate to say story because it's kind of like it's pretend, but it's not. Um, so we're going to start in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of the government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So whenever I was little and I would hear that a child is born to us, the son is given. I kind of thought it was the same thing, like they're being redundant in case we didn't get it the first time a child's born, a son is given. Um, but that's not entirely what it means. Uh, this prophecy speaks so clearly to the man who would be God. The child is born speaks of his humanity as God came to earth as a man and a son is given speaks of his divinity as the only son of the father. Um, so a child is born. He came to earth as a baby. He didn't have to, um, he could have come as a man, but he came as a baby Jesus in his divinity clothed himself in humanity. He became human, tiny, vulnerable, and totally human. In Luke 1, it talks about when the angel came to Mary. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his king to his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this in the sixth month with her who has called who was called barren for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I can only imagine what was racing through Mary's mind at this point. Uh, being a Jewish girl, she was well aware of the scripture's prophecy of the coming Messiah. And she was just told that she was chosen to be his mother. Talk about pressure. Probably not exactly what she thought her future would hold. She's a typical young Jewish girl. She's betrothed to Joseph, which um, different Places I've read said different things, but one of them said that 
they, their spouse was chosen about three or four, age three or four. And um, when it came closer to the time for them to be married, they were betrothed about a year or two before they were going to be married. So she knew who Joseph was. This was the plan for her life. I'm sure she watched her mother's life and kind of plain and simple, and that's what she thought hers was going to be. Uh, but this day, she was told it was going to be different. Um, so much of our character is shaped by those who raise us. Psychologists say the basis of our character is shaped by 18 months. Our ability to say yes and no, um, our ability to share, um, to say please and thank you. We know what love is by then. Um, and God saw in Mary the character traits that he wanted instilled in his son. To me, that is so heavy. He saw something in her that he said, you know what? I want you to raise my son. I do this every time. <laughs> um, of all the women of all of time, she was chosen. And I don't want to picture Mary as being perfect, as never making mistakes. Um, but she had to be gracious. She had to be loving. She had to be teachable. Um, and she had to have a love for the Father. And to me, that's definitely um, character traits that we can look at and say, okay, I, I want that. I want to be teachable. I want God to look at me and say, I've given you these children, whether you have children or whether you don't yet, whether you don't like children. Um, I, want, I want that to be seen in me. I want God to see my kids um, and for them to have the traits that he, that would glorify him. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> um, Mary knew also what this meant for her socially. In this time, being uh, pregnant and not married was not acceptable. <laughs> um, your betrothed could have you stoned. And she knew what this meant. She knew that if Joseph left her, um, that she would be a social outcast for the rest of her days. Um, but I have to think that she also knew what kind of man Joseph was, and I'm sure there was that hope um, that somehow God would make this right, and he did. Um, but still knowing that and knowing what that meant in her culture, she still said, yes, she said, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Uh, she didn't have excuses. She had one question, but it was kind of a, okay, how's this going to work? Um, it wasn't, but what about my future? But what about what everybody's going to think of me? But what about my plans? It wasn't any of that. It was just kind of, okay, how are you going to do this? And then, okay, well, if that's what you say, then that's what I'll do. Um, I'm semi-okay with obedience um, as long as... It goes according to my plan. Um, but there was a time in our lives about eight-ish years ago. We had a friend who um, we were really close to. She was part of our family. Um, she lived with us at one point. And um, my kids loved her. And we found out that she um, had lied to us about something huge. Like not like a little lie. Like a entire life lie. <laughs> And um, it was really hard. We didn't talk to her for a long time. And God softened our hearts toward her. And there was total and utter forgiveness there. Kind of almost 
like, okay, God, I don't know how I'm forgiving her and having this conversation and having her over to dinner. Um, I mean, mind you, it took months, but it happened. And other people in my life would say, how on earth are you even talking to her? And it was like, you know what? Everybody makes mistakes. Well, come to find out this year, um, she told my husband that that was life-changing for her. And to us, it was kind of a little thing. It was like, yeah, we forgave her. You know, everybody makes mistakes. But to her, she said it showed her the true picture of grace. And we had no idea. Jeez. Um, but it was one of those times where God said, I need you to forgive her. And we said, okay, you know, whatever. But in his plan and in his big picture, it was so much more. Um, so when God asks you to do something, you may not know the ramifications of it, be it a little decision or a huge, life-changing, monumental decision. Um, we don't always know what the purpose for that is. So um, for Mary, hello, she was the mother of Jesus. But to her, it was God said, I need you to do this. And she said, okay. So Mary goes to see Elizabeth. Um, and I kind of think it may have been like, okay, the angel said this. I need to go see for myself that it's true. Um, Elizabeth was barren. And when Mary went to see her, she was in her sixth month. And I have a feeling she kind of hid herself away for a while. One, because this may have been too good to be true. You know, when you live your whole life thinking you can't have children, and then all of a sudden God says, hey, you're going to be pregnant. And you're like, yeah, right. Um, or that fear of something's going to happen. Um, because in their culture, it was just the same as it is now. It's um, even more so because children were everything. Children, that your ability to have children defined you as a person, as a woman. Um, so she goes to see Elizabeth, um, who the angel told her was expecting. And I love that Elizabeth confirms what the angel told Mary, above and beyond. Um, that had to make Mary feel like, okay, God's in this. You know, Elizabeth knew all of this um, that she couldn't have known above and beyond. And um, that had to be a sweet confirmation to Mary. So Jesus was born. Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Cyrenius was government of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the end." Sweet, unimpressive, too little to be worth counting Bethlehem, became the setting for the moment heaven came to earth, simple but holy. I love that Jesus' birth was simple. Um, I don't think she was there by herself. I think she probably traveled with her midwife and her doula, um, because that's what they did in that time. You know, she had women that surrounded her that helped her give birth, because this was, this was huge, not just to um, the mother, but to the entire family. Um, but I love that it was simple, that it wasn't a grand affair, that it was, you know, maybe not in the corner and some dirty hay like maybe sometimes we think, but um, 
but simple. At the heart of Jesus, his very nature was that of a servant. Over and over again, he says that he does, he only does what he sees the Father do. He is the willing sacrifice. He could have come as a fully grown man. He could have walked the earth and lived a sinless life, yet he demonstrates his nature of vulnerability by coming as an infant. Nothing more weak and dependent than a newborn baby. I love the song, Mary, Did You Know? I'm kind of a fan of Christmas music. Um, like I'd listen to it all year long. And um, it's funny because we were having a conversation yesterday that uh, the Pentatronics have kind of redeemed the song, Mary, Did You Know? Um, and if you haven't watched that on YouTube, you should because it makes me cry every time because um, it's such a powerful song. Because I, I love that it gives voice to the question, what did you know? How much did she know? Did she have any idea um, what, what was in store for this baby's life? Um, did you have any idea all that he would do? That he was the one who would give us the promise of hope? She knew what Isaiah said about his life. So there was the hope that he would rule and reign as a literal king. And I wonder at what point she knew his fate the sacrifice that would be required of him. Some of my favorite lines are, this child that you delivered will soon deliver you. It's so powerful um, to think that her child was going to be the one that saved her. Um, I can't imagine the weight of raising the Savior. I'm pretty lenient with my boys. Like, we kind of fully embrace the whole wild at heart thing. Um, they play on the roof and climb trees and shoot bows and arrows and... Um, destroy things and put them back together. Um, however, if I knew one of them was the Messiah, I might find it hard not to wrap him in bubble wrap and never let him leave his room. Um, and I can only imagine the apologies that come from Mary as she's like, sorry, God, he had to get stitches, you know. <laughs> sorry, I yelled at him, God, he was being a brat, you know. Because um, I have to think she was human, and so was he. You know, although he was sinless, I'm sure he had a little smunk to him. He's Jesus, after all. Um, my other favorite line is, the sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. Mary was quite familiar with the Torah, and so she knew that God addresses himself as I am. So I can picture her sitting in the barn on that quiet night amongst the stars, looking at the face of her new baby boy and thinking, this is the great I am. It might be too close out from having a baby to, <laughs> to do this. <laughs> All I can do is apologize. Um, and then I'll be able to see. Um, a son is given, speaks of his divinity. God gave him as his son. He wasn't only Mary's son, he was God's son. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equally with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. <coughs> Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So I wonder at what point Mary didn't know, because she had, to, she had to know. When did she know he was the son to be given? When did she know he was to be our sacrifice? When did she realize he was to be crucified? 
Did she have an aha moment where she got a glimpse of what was to come? I'm sure it was a shock, and I'm sure she was hoping for the whole king on a throne thing, because that works out a lot better for you than your son on a cross. But I have to think as much as it hurt, she had to understand that it was a plan. God had to give her some, some sort of reconciliation that this was the purpose. Jeez. <laughs> Have you ever had a plan and God altered the course? You're going along in life thinking everything is just the way it's supposed to be, and then bam, everything's different. But God's in it. Um, when our oldest son, who's hiding behind the computer, um, <laughs> peace, um, when we found out we were pregnant with him, we thought, great, you know, boy, him and Maya are 13 months apart. So our focus was kind of, what are we going to do with these two babies? Because they were both still babies. Um, and he was born uh, six weeks early. And he was in the NICU for three with some, um, nothing very serious, but a couple of things that, you know, make a mom upset and kind of wonder, okay, what's the plan for this child's life? Um, but we're going along thinking you're just going to have a baby and take him home and life's going to go on. And then, um, you know, you spend three weeks in a hospital with your baby in an incubator and you're kind of like, what's the plan here, God? Um, but God's plan for him um, is awesome and it's a part of his story. And I think that that's something that you have to keep in mind when things get drastically altered, that all of this is a part of your story, your story to bring glory to God and your story um, to help other people too. And it's, it's hard for me to plan future-wise, um, maybe because I'm a procrastinator, but also because I know God interrupts, and every time he does, it's good. It may not seem good at the time. Um, it might hurt, um, and it might be devastating. But his plan, God sees the whole plan. He's like, um, I saw an illustration once of... Life is a parade and God is in a blimp and he sees the beginning and the end and he sees everything in between. And if somebody alters, he knows how to get them back on course. And we don't know, we can't see the end, but he can. And so when there's a jolt in the plan, you got to trust that it's, it's for the good of the whole story. John three sixteen through 18 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son and whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the, of the son, the only son of God. First John four, nine through 10. Sorry. But this, the love of God that was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He sent his son to carry our sins. Romans 5, 8 through 10. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, 
much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. This child would be a man, but he would be more than a man. He would also be a son given by God. Jesus in his divinity clothed himself in humanity. He was fully God and fully man. Did you know that Bethlehem means house of bread? In Hebrew, Bethlehem is actually two words, Beth, which means house, and Lehem, which means bread. And since Hebrew, the Hebrew language is read from right to left, Bethlehem is written bread house. 33 years after the bread of life was born in the house of bread, he broke bread with his disciples in the upper room. After washing their feet, he said to them, this is my body broken for you. And a little while later, his body was indeed broken. Jesus broke himself for us and met our greatest need. With one final breath of it is finished. Mary as a mother brings her child into the world at the bread house. And our heavenly father brings his son into the bread house, knowing he would be the bread of life. Christ brings healing and freedom. And he brings mercy and wholeness. He was born and gave his life so that we could have life. you pray with me thank you for listening if you'd like to get plugged into the ministry of audacity or support this ministry financially you can get more information at loveservego.com